0: Erdegaard, that's all the news and all the views When Arsenal knocks on the door of players It's a different knock than other clubs. Clubs, clubs Les différents podcasts de frappe
1: Arsenal have been through their mile and a half of pipe Like Andy Dufresne in the Shawshank Redemption Where you have to see the light at the end of the tunnel El podcast de golpe diferente But Arsenal are going through their pipe, like I say We'll be back The different knock podcast Maybe we'll have a good
0: surprise for you Welcome back to the.
1: Oh, ref! He stuttered.
0: Oh, referee! He stuttered. Take retake it. Uh, I'm Kasper Michael. I'm a child. A lighthearted look at Arsenal with Alexander Money my very good friend.
1: A <laughs> uh, Bradley Adams. Hello, he friend, he
0: wanted him gone.
1: He, he wanted, wanted him gone. Him gone. Bradley Adams. He, he wanted, wanted him, him gone. gone. Mate. No words. No words. How silly do you feel? I don't feel silly. Silly's the wrong word. Rats has been in the bath. I feel <laughs> yeah, I feel clean. No, I, what I feel is quite ah, oh, is naive the wrong word, is blinded the wrong word. I don't the right I I don't know. I don't feel silly because I think at certain points when I called for his head um there were valid justifiable reasons for doing so. I don't think you know, especially especially in that run last December. I don't think anyone could predict, and nobody could have predicted it would have gone this well, this quickly. I don't, uh, no no one could have. I don't, I don't know because even at the start of this. (laughs) Um, and then you know, I think I was a bit early and rash to call it at the start of this season. I think that's where I now probably just, well, definitely look incredibly stupid. Um. But what a turnaround. What an absolute turnaround um, in in all senses of the word. I haven't seen this much growth in any team this quick and this could just be Arsenal bias, but I have not seen this much growth this quickly in any team ever. I've not seen a team go from you know, finishing eighth in two successive seasons, again, looking like they're going to have to fight it out to get to sixth after the first few games of the season to be going into the end of the season with pretty much nearly guaranteeing themselves top four at this rate with the way that we're performing. I, I It's just unrecognizable to my brain how much progress has been made this quickly. And I'm going to repeat myself again, credit has to go not only to Arteta, the recruitment team and the players who were all, you know, massive, massive cogs in that wheel, but to the board who are turning that wheel and were making the, the decisions at the time when I think at the time in December, it wouldn't have been a wrong decision to have sacked him. It now, because of the you know, because we know how far we've come. But given the, the information that they had, I don't think anyone would have gone, oh, that's a ridiculous decision. But they stood firm. They've backed him in an unbelievable way. And we're seeing the dividends of that now, mate. We really, really are. This is the best football we've played in a decade. Because I think come the end of... Arsene Wenger's career. We were still a very, very good attacking outfit, but we were very porous at the back. This is the most complete brand of football we've played probably since the early 2010s. And we haven't sacrificed any of the entertainment factor, which as a football fan, that's what I love. That's why I enjoy. I, uh, that's why I loved Arsenal. So I, I I, I, actually just don't have words to describe my elation at this just a moment at this team, at these boys, at this manager. It's unbelievable.
0: Welcome back to the different podcast. How you doing? Strap in. Uh, I'm very much looking forward to this, Bradley. Um, Bradley. Uh, I think, I think we're going to enjoy this one. It, it, it's the, the feel good factors back. It really is. Um, I'm very much excited to, to get into this, but before we do that, Bradley, I do have some housekeeping to do. Okay. We received an email. Uh, from fluid, Hlu- I'm going to say fluid because it's the it's the Welsh thing with two L's, and I think it's fluid, but that could be it's spelled L L W Y D. He said, "Chaps or they," I actually don't know his gender. That was a sexism, wasn't it? Chaps enjoyed the Watford pod. I just said I don't know his gender. Brilliant. <laughs> <help>. Well done, <laughs> chaps enjoyed the Watford pod, but there is no such. Such word as laxadaisical. The S is entirely your own addition. It's a common error, so don't beat yourselves off about it. Uh, so there you go. We learn. We li- we live and we learn. And I looked up. It, it, he uh, of, they of course. Yeah, he is were correct. correct. Of course, were correct. They it's
1: were correct. Lack
0: It's lackadaisical. Um, and uh, the the example on Google says a lackadaisical defence left Spurs adrift in the second half, which I absolutely love. <laughs> uhklu uh, also uh got uh, got in touch after that to um to tell us we got another thing wrong <laughs> where was it Hang on. Uh, he said it, uh, they said i'm not the word police or even a pedant, but reactionary does not mean that i.e. the context in which one of you used it I think you meant reactive maybe don't shoot the messenger so it's good to know. Firstly, Brad, that we're learning, but secondly, we have eagle-eyed or eagle-eared listeners. Is there a, is there a parallel yeah. for eagle-eared eagle? What would be an eagle-eared? Oh, it would be like a, an elephant, would it?
1: They've not got. Yeah, they've not got big ears. Have Dolphin, they, so.
0: dolphin-eared, maybe they can hear quite well. Bats? No, that's sonar. Yeah, I'm chatting waffle. Anyway, listen, we we need
1: to watch our um our language. We here. do just as Sky Sports do because I one thing that really pissed me off. What the phrase isn't, and again, we're going to learn together. The phrase isn't chomping at the bit. I'm pretty sure it's champing at the bit. I think it's, it a, is it's that. a phrase for horses, and it's the amount of people like it. Just, I was like, just, just get it right. Come yeah, on. The, there's a whole. I would love to know what the phrase is, but I'm sh- pretty
0: sure there's a whole study of people getting that wrong. Like th- you know, you know, when people start like people say yeah. generally instead of genuinely, there's a whole like. Oh God. Linguistic
1: thing around. No, that just makes you an this. idiot. That's 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 a that's the, that's the wrong word completely. Yeah, that is. I the can wrong understand word. chomping and champing. That's literally a, like a one letter change. Using generally when you mean yeah, to they're that, different that's, words. They're completely different words.
0: <laughs> um also before we get into this uh Fuck it, back to the football. <laughs> no, no, not back to the football. We had an email, no a, a DM from at cal Thomas underscore fourteen who wanted a shout-out on the Leicester pod for his Lacazette 9 tattoo on his chest. Mate, He got respect. it done the day he signed, when he thought it was going to be the next Henri, and he says he's now emotionally scarred. So, Cal, this is your shout-out. Fair play to you. It's above his nipple. It's above his left nipple. And to be fair, at the moment... It's
1: kind of coming good, you know? You know. He's got 10 goals and assists in his last 11 Premier League games, so he's... Yep. He's earning that space a little more.
0: <laughs> Five goals for the whole season, but we'll, we'll let it slide. Um, Bradley, my word of the yeah. game. Let's get to it. Let's do it. Love. Ah, oh. It's love. That is my word of the game. That is the thing I felt. That is what I see when I look at this team. I feel love from the fans to the players. I feel the same back. I feel love watching every single person play that. I love watching Arsenal. I love the vibe around the team at the moment. I love um, what we're doing. And you can tell that every player loves what they're doing. Mm-hmm. They, they are enjoying themselves. They're enjoying the passion. They know where they're going. They know they're improving. They're, they know they're on a path to something good. And there is such a good vibe around this football team at the moment. And, yeah. you know, we spend a lot of time discussing moments and decisions and technical ability and all that sort of stuff. But underpinning it all is this tie that everyone has, the reason you're probably listening to this podcast, why would you bother spending your time outside of the game <laughs> investing in this thing unless you love it? And I just yeah. want to recognise that today. We love it. I love I love doing this podcast because it's all tied yeah, I in. love it. It's, it's
1: like, and it's just such yeah. a
0: beautiful thing. I, I, and I want to celebrate that. That is that is my thing for today.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And whatever has brought you to Arsenal, bound you to Arsenal and has made you love it in any way is, is special. And the fact that that's now being echoed in, in the special journey that we're all on together, I think is um, just wonderful. Wonderful. I've not felt this positive about the team in a long, long time. You know, it's, it's something that we, I, I, I literally don't think I have the vocabulary to describe the feelings of just pure elation and anticipation. Like I, I sit there and when I'm watching the game and I can feel my heartbeat going faster in a way that it definitely wasn't last season or the season before or the season before or the season before. Uh, we've been reconnected to our beautiful club and that's definitely something to cherish. Um, my word of the game to c- take it on a, on a different route is imperious. I think we were imperious today in every single place on the pitch. I, uh, I think that we are obviously going to get on to individual performances because I think that there are three in particular standout performances from today, but every single place, every single position, every single channel, every single line, we were completely imperious on, on Leicester today. There is not a single player that you would say, oh, I, from, from that Leicester team, oh, I wish he was playing for Arsenal today. We played them off the park. And even though they did get back into it come the end of the first half, it's incredible to note how far we've come at battering very good teams. Because whilst Leicester have definitely had their issues, like we mentioned in our on our preview podcast with the dear and lovely Brendan Rogers, um with injury and with thanks, Brendan, and with players kind of hitting their downturn. We were dominant, we were aggressive, we were assertive, and we there, there was no room for them in this game at all. And it's, it's phenomenal to see.
0: Mate, I'm just smiling. I'm just smiling because I, I completely agree. And one of my big things from today was every single player, I could pick something out and go, great work in this moment. Great work yep. positionally, great work systematically, great work in terms of your commitment. Ah, it's such a good feeling. First couple of things I want to pick out, sort of technically, um, I'm really liking what I'm seeing. Um, it's it's almost like a pendulum between Erdegaard and Xhaka, uh, dependent on where the ball is. Um, yes, when, yes when we're yes, not. yes. When we're not in a... Um, sorry, when we are in possession and we're, we're trying to break the first line. There's a lovely thing if you if you watch them, they're constantly in communication with each other, one's dropping and the other ones other ones pushing up, depending on where the ball is. There's such a lovely bit of movement there, and that's and that's clearly been worked on. Clearly something they're 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 doing. I think at some point we'll probably get on to, to praising every single player. Maybe while we're we're gonna do Erdogan later, do not worry, but um maybe while we're on it, I, mm. I do wanna I do wanna pick out Xhaka today. I, I thought Jack had a good game. Um some lovely overlapping runs. Some
1: some <laughs> Yes, which, which we yes, don't associate yes. with Jacka at um, all. Just unheard of, unheard of. Seeing yeah. him in that kind of far left-hand pocket, I was, I was, it, it was strange. Yep. Some you know great- how you made a point about um, when you when you see pet players' body positions hmm. and how sometimes it can look abnormal. It's the same with players on the pitch. Sometimes you see them in places and you're like, "Well, how the fuck did you end up there?"
0: Yeah,
1: and a few yeah. times, Jacka was in that position. You're just going, "What? What on earth has got?" gotten into to yeah. granite. Yeah, I think he had a good game. There were some brain dead moments. I did want to slap him over the back of the head when we're 2-0 up going into the last kind of 15 minutes and he just balloons it. He is he needs to stop listening to the word shoot. But you, for yeah. the love of God.
0: Do you not do you not think it's um, it's sort of like a slap on the head of like, "Oh, come on, mate." Do you know, now it feels a bit more like, "Ah, oh. because you know (laughs) we kept
1: kept the clean sheet we kept the clean sheet we we, we had a solid performance but I think obviously if my grandmother had wheels but those are the kind of moments that could you know turning over the ball for the sake of it is something that against a better team a more well-drilled team and a team with more of its stars available could come to punish us it's it's silly silly decisions like that that could put us in kind of sticky water muddy water sticky water sticky situations sticky water fun fluid's gonna be in contact humid. mate <laughs> um, absolutely uh, but but other than that what what is brilliant to see is the way that our criticism has changed of the club and of the of the players. We're not talking about the bog standard basics of football. I've not heard that that shit impression come out of either of our mouths for months because we're not talking about the simple things anymore. We're talking about just little moments where we're like can we just stop doing this? Do, do you know what I mean? It's it's not mm. that we we're, we're, we're not honestly somebody somebody said that on Twitter uh, that we're obviously not near challenging for the league yet or whatever we are not far off having a first 11 and a drilled uh, system that gives us the opportunity to challenge for a league title. We really, really aren't like you. We are top of the form table right now. We've played some very difficult games. We have just won five in a row. Uh, uh, We're not as far away as everyone thinks it's, it's a lot more compact than everyone thinks. And I just can't can't believe that we're saying this about a squad that that predominantly looked at points like it could have been relegated last season. You know? This season. There's still major, major... <laughs> yeah, this season. But last season, there was a genuine conversation about are we going to battle relegation for the whole season? Mm-hmm. And even though... We've gotten some a lot of new players in. There are still some major, major players from that team from last season. So it's it's a phenomenal thing to witness that dynamic shift. Yeah. In, in how we speak about our club.
0: Yeah, and 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 big big upgrades to come. You know, I, I discussed in the introduction about how Lacazette. You know, <laughs> five goals. <laughs> you know, and it, imagine this team with someone and a, a decent Premier League striker gets what fifteen. Fifteen goals a season. I did like a like a no, probably above 10. above above decent. Like a you know sort of maybe a yeah. a, who's, good, a, who's a, a good a example. decent
1: striker will get ten. A good striker would get fifteen, and an yeah. excellent striker, I think, gets, gets 20. twenty plus.
0: If we add a good striker to this team, to th- you know think of the points we could pick yeah. up. It's 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 unbelievable. Um, and I want to just finish up on Jacker because his ball carrying today, unbelievable. Some of the some of the ball carries some of the this the, the slides through to um, to Tierney and to martinelli I think he's playing that that role positionally so brilliantly so when we get someone who's technically mm-hmm. a bit more able um I'm so excited to see what what someone might be able to do in that position um I thought it might be a day for martinelli I saw big spaces between Amate and um, Pereira it was a, a bit of a threat of that early doors uh, nothing seemed to come up I think they sort of clocked that a little bit, little bit early it was a good chance for Martinelli early he was, he was offside um, it just always feels like a sort of matter of time at the moment before we get into our rhythm and, and kind of take control um, mm. which is so so nice um, the carpet looked beautiful today I don't know whether it was just the immaculate the vibes the doing a good job I don't what what do they put in the grass it's it, it, it's... I wouldn't know. What do you mean you don't know? Come on. Fluid? <laughs> <laughs> Any clues? Um, yeah, and I, I have to say... Fluid is the new Nathan Baroda. Yeah, Sorry, yeah. Nathan. Sorry, Nathan, you've been replaced. You need to start sending his corrections. Um, Nathan Baroda <laughs> met Ed, Ed Miliband the other day. I saw that on Twitter. Um... Oh, legend. Oh, yes, I'm tough enough.
1: Nathan. Um, go on. No, as in like Nathan is the legend.
0: Oh, I see. Yeah, Nathan will be Labour leader yes. soon. Don't worry, no, no, no trouble. Absolutely, we'll get past uh, Um, I did think that Leicester, as much we discussed this a little bit on the preview, didn't we? Like, I, I I don't know whether it's time for Brendan to go. I mean, there was a stat at the beginning of the match that was like Brendan Rodgers. Brendan Rodgers. Uh, Brendan Rodgers has won. Uh, the only people who won more games since Brendan Rodgers was appointed was Kl- were Klopp and Guardiola. So, you know, they- he's done a good job there. Um, but I wonder, like, tactically, I was just looking at them and I-, I was thinking, you know, obviously I'm really watching us, but I was looking at them and thinking, there's like six players in a very small zone of the pitch, all in first phase, all not pressing. Um, I said this on the preview as well, they always have four in the first phase. And, I- like, we kind of get used to Arteta, don't we? We kind of we look at other teams and go, what do you mean you're not playing a single pivot in possession, you losers? Do you know what I mean? Like, you, you, kind, of, you kind of start to like, pick up the, the... What do you mean you haven't got a 1v1 specialist on the outside? <laughs> I don't want to do that. But, like, I also do think that there's a kind of... Um, a thing. With, I, I looked at them and I was like, there's a more modern way to set this team up. So they did look very easy to bypass for us, basically. Um so, and also some strange,
1: yep. some strange decisions from him in terms of team sheet, having Indeedi and Tielemans on the bench. I don't know if that's fitness or not, but playing Napolius Mendy, who hadn't played a game for them in, I think, well over a year or something I, I, I saw and wasn't even registered in the, in the um, Premier League squad come the start of the season. So I, I, I don't understand that. I don't although, you know, I know Tielemans can be a bit of a a passenger defensively, I don't understand leaving out both Tielemans and Ndidi. I don't understand what they gained from that.
0: And mm-hmm. especially if you, especially Ndidi.
1: Yeah, especially Ndidi, because he does give you that option to just play that single pivot. You just play him at the back to shield the defense. Uh, when you know those but, but are the I zones we th- get you
0: in with Erdogar, you know what I mean? That those are the zones that yeah. we control the game in. It, it seemed yeah, bizarre.
1: Could be a fitness thing. I don't know. But. I think. I think this, as much as I think it'd be good if if Leicester sacked Rogers because I think he's the best manager they're able to get. I don't. I think this is a, a pretty much a write off of a season that um that's just been ruined by injuries. You know, if you look at the woes that they've had on, I think I had a look at Transfermarkt after we recorded. It, it it just is ridiculous the yeah. amount of injuries they've had this yeah. season. So, uh, I what, don't think they should sack him.
0: Tell you what else is ruining them. Their corner record.
1: Oh, mate, it's disgusting.
0: 20th in the Premier League for goals conceded. 20th for um, uh, goals conceded per corner. Fi- per 15 corners, they conceded. And you get like 15 a, a game sometimes. Um, they're conceding a corner. It was unbelievable. And the goal, uh, I don't care that they're wanking corners. It's a good goal. Uh, good delivery from Gabby. Um Good header from Thomas. I mean, he he's easily easily away from his marker, and it's it's and we're ahead. And I thought we deserved it. You know, we, by that point we had started to control the game. Yep. Um We'd had a few decent chances, and and we definitely deserved it. One of our superpowers that I think, like I genuinely, I'd be interested in in yours and anyone's opinion. How do you stop Martin Erdegaard or actually no, well it depends. Actually, Ramsdale or whoever Ben White. Gets it over to Saka. Saka is isolated 1v1 on that left-hand side. That defender now can't move. Erdegaard catches up. Saka pops it into him. Erdegaard pops it back to Saka and he has a shot. That happens so many times every game. And I don't know how you stop it. As a def- as an opposition, I-, I literally don't know how. what can you do. Saka doesn't lose the ball. Erdigard's technical quality is unbelievable, and you know those things that you start to pick up in a team, like you know the Trent ball into Jota or the 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 cutback from Man City. Those things that are just like superpowers for teams. That you just like how do you stop these things? It's so nice to see those developing in our game. Um, yeah, it's it's beautiful stuff. I, I'm I'm so I'm so happy to see that. I'm so happy, so happy to to see that starting to come for us. It's it's great. Uh, Thomas Partey hit the bar Uh, shout out Ben White for an unbelievable tackle on Madison in the box
1: to set up the counter I tweeted this at you it will go under the radar today right Ben White was just as good as Partey and Odegaard for me he, near flawless distribution, I can remember one ball that he slightly overhit to Gabby on the left-hand side that went out for a throw-in. Yeah, yeah, I that I thought that Gabby, if he just turned the afterburners on, could have caught up to, but this is like 50 minutes or something when he's already been sprinting his ass Pressing. off. So you can understand why he didn't. Um Saves us a goal with, a, with that brilliant challenge. Imperious in the air. Oh. Absolutely dealt with every single thing thrown at him today and i i'm in a situation now where i go like i it doesn't that he he is one of the first names on the team sheet for me if Mm -hmm. not the first He goes so much, and I love this about it, he just goes so much under the radar that we actually have people trying to make arguments on Twitter that Christian Romero, who's made about six appearances this season and been dunked on by both Ben Me, Ronaldo and everyone in between, is better than him. I don't understand it. I don't understand how you could even make the argument. The boy can't even start for his own club because he's on the treatment table.
0: I can't remember who it was. And he's
1: gonna cost the same amount as Ben White. It's mental.
0: I can't remember who yeah, I can't remember who it was, but um someone was trying to start beef with with White. And you know, it's like that sort of thing when someone's oh, it's Ricardo comfortably better. Oh, it was Pereira, that's who it was. When someone's comfortably better than their opposition. They just don't give him the time of day. And Ben White just looks at the referee and just gives him this sort of quizzical look. Like, why is this guy trying to beef me? Like, what what do you want? Like, what do you think you're going to gain out of this? <laughs> it's just brilliant. Who the fuck are you? Literally, literally. Uh, another thing he's amazing at, and something we haven't had in this team for a long time. I'm, I'm enjoying this so much, mate. Just talking about this, it's so nice. Um, is a cynical fouler, and he's so good at that. He did one on...
1: Jimenez, maybe in the Wolves game. Uh, he did one in the Wolves. It was a yeah, Wolves game. And I'm not, I am a, f- listen, I'm a fan of them. If they're in points that gain new ground, that Wolves one borders on the line of pointless. I don't know if it's the ball I doesn't come over the top. I
0: don't know. I, I, I felt as though there was a bit of danger there, but he did one on Dakar today, um, sort of later on in about the 70th minute. Um, and he never gets caught.
1: And Dakar got da, da, got the foul. Dakar got the foul for it. Yeah. You, we got a free kick. We got yeah. a free kick yeah.
0: from but Ben White ben cynically fouling. He just sticks his foot out it. and trips him up. And, and like, it is it is the dark arts of the game. And, obviously, if this was the other way around, we'd be going, fucking send him off. But it's so great that it's going for us, you know, like and and to have someone who Listen, is good at if that. if it's going
1: to happen, we have to do it. Yeah, exactly. if, it, if, if it's going to be allowed to happen against us, we have to do it against them. That's just, unfortunately, the... the the balancing scales of, of the game right now, and yep. when you have referees who are so desperate to make things about themselves, you 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 have to you have to do sometimes things that maybe mor- morality wise, questionably. I don't I don't think a, a right for a competitive sport. I don't think it's in in good faith. But if 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 we're gonna have to suffer things like that against us, then absolutely, just give him a little little kick on the ankle, just send him, him over, just punch him in the face. Fuck it, um, do it. How did he and Acho not get sent off? He literally yeah. did the same thing twice. That to was, both of our centre backs. I was about to I, ask you that, and then Rogers was like, "Get him off, get him," because it's I don't understand it.
0: Yeah, the hit on Gabrielle was. <sighs> it's one of those. It's one of those things, isn't it? It's like if that happens in another phase of the game. This is what frustrates me. It's like, for example, the did you see the Sanchez thing on Diaz yesterday? Luis Diaz yeah, and Robert um, Sanchez. Yes yes, 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 game. yes, yes. Yeah. Like, red card. If he doesn't score, down, it's a like red. That. And I, that just annoys me. And I appreciate it's a double whammy, but that was a red card offence and it was a goal. And like that's the game. You can't just because, oh, they just scored, So I don't want to... It's like, well... It, <laughs> Yeah, and, and like, you know... well, He didn't even get a yellow, did he? While we're talk- did he get a yellow? No. Sanchez. I think he might have got a yellow. I, I, yeah. I don't know. Um, I only saw the clip of it. Um, but uh, similar with the... Uh, 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 in the Chelsea game earlier, Ch- uh, Chalaba brings down Murphy it's definitely yellow but doesn't even get it's, it's definitely a penalty
1: sorry it doesn't even get checked and there was something in this game i can't remember what happened it, no but it does get checked it did get checked it got checked because i watched the game it got checked by var and var said and i tweeted about this that there wasn't a clear and obvious error made by the referee mm. the referee gave a corner challaba doesn't kick the ball out the ball comes off of murphy it's not a corner that is a clear and obvious error he's given the wrong decision Mm. I, and it start, you know, and I I tweeted something where I, I, you know, I never thought I would, but I quoted Frank Lampard. At best, it's incompetence. And at worst, well, it's getting to be ridiculous Allegedly. The, the way that, it, you know, it's getting to be ridiculous the way that, that this is being implemented. Um, and now I can understand why it took so long to to get the uh, VAR decision um for today's r- penalty because I think you ha- you have to get the right angle for that that's going to show mm. in the clearest yeah. possible light in the 30 seconds that Anthony Taylor has to go over while he's got fans screaming in his ears that it definitely the hand definitely touches the ball. I can understand why a decision like that took so long. Mm. I really really can because that's so small it's such a minute thing that you could miss. The Trevor Chalaba one is is the most blatant foul and penalty I've ever seen. Hmm. Well, one of at least. He's got his shirt pulling him up one way, and his foot taking him out the other. I I I don't understand how you can't say it's a clear and obvious error. He makes a foul, giving away a penalty. The referee doesn't give a penalty. There's no nuance in in the verbiage there.
0: Yeah, I it's, think the... it's
1: literally clear and obvious.
0: Well, yeah, I, I, and. If you say if you say two times two is five, you're wrong. And if you say two times two is twenty five, you're also wrong. And what maybe one is more obviously wrong, but they're still both wrong. Do you know what I mean? So, I, and this is anyway. I'm going to yeah. set you off here, so I'm going to move on. Um, right, <laughs> let's let's move on. Yeah, <laughs> um, I want to discuss Thomas Partey's performance. Um, he he is becoming. One of the best midfielders in the league on current form uh certainly mm-hmm. top five top six uh pushing up nicely in the press great defensive work in the corner um controlling the game holding on to it really well distributing it and and it's that thing where he is so press resistant that when he receives it he I rarely see teams press him because they it's pointless he's it's literally pointless i think no point, I think yeah. he's just as you say
1: imperious. And, and let alone is he in the best six or seven midfielders in the Premier League right now he's probably in the top 2 for his zone because you know if if you're trying to like I, I tweeted out today I think Erdegaard is definitely the third best midfielder in the Premier League right now um with uh Kevin De Bruyne and Bernardo Silva above him I don't I think he gets into every team in the league I don't think anyone is is on with the way that he's performed form, over the last yeah. three months. There is there is not a single player that you could say is better than him right now other than Kevin De Bruyne and Bernardo Silva, right? But that's also because you have to compare them to players in their zones. You have to compare Erdegaard to Bernardo Silva, Bruno Fernandes, Kevin De Bruyne because that's the zone they play in. There's no point comparing Kante to him because they're completely yeah, different, different players. And then when you do the same with Thomas Partey, he is one of the top two or three midfielders in that zone doing that job he's he is sensational he's finally become the player that we 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 we, we paid so much money for last season
0: game by numbers a hundred percent of the duels won uh one possession six times uh four final third entries two shots on target a chance created and a goal two interceptions yeah it's so i think i think you know it's it's two things right it's the the system itself is is becoming clearer and clearer in terms of the jobs that everyone needs to do and people are getting more and more suited to those positions but also he himself has really grown into this team has really found his feet in the premier league and um and doesn't look uh particularly fallible anymore i think there was times where you could see his technical ability but perhaps you felt as though he was sort of second guessing himself and now you look at him and he just feels he just feels completely imperious um loved 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 brendan's wow from uh ramsdale say from Bond. yeah you loved could it. hear it well yeah and you know obviously we had him on the podcast the preview podcast which was re- really nice of him to do you know, he's, a, he's a busy man um and he was saying you know how much he loves Aaron Ramsdale, wasn't he because we had him on the we had him on the podcast yeah he was because he was we had it we had him, had he had he him on the, the
1: podcast. podcast
0: yeah uh <laughs> Leicester were kind of back into it towards the end of the first half. Um, yeah. You never felt they were particularly threatening, but, you know, we, we, there was a decent period of possession for them. Uh, I love the stat that came up. Face, uh, corners face for Arsenal, 119, with none conceded. And that's credit to Nikola Jova, because that it's not necessarily Absolutely. a turnaround. You know, I think and- Gjeldsen had us pretty high on that list anyway, but... Nikolayev has completely changed that round and 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 to be top of that it, things like that it's like you want you want your team to be top of everything that is kind of um controllable outside of the result like do you know what I mean in terms of po- possession won distance ran corners uh, you know corners scored uh, penalties scored like all the all those things that are like the the margin the marginal gains you want to be, you want to be getting high on those lists and that's and that's so great to see that we are
1: Uh, This is also our 12th clean sheet of the season which is the exact same as last season and we have 12 games to play.
0: Amazing. Uh, Big, big fan also of Martin Tyler mentioning Bamiyang and then Alan Smith saying who? (laughs) Big fan. Bradley, we also must discuss Martin Erdegaard. I do just want to gloat quickly. Uh, Osman Zvaguna, May twenty third, two thousand and twenty. Alwar for thirty million or thirty five million, or Erdegaard for thirty million or thirty five million. A man called the different knock. <clears throat> myself, Erdegaard. How is this a question? Just saying, I could see it. I could see it coming. Natural ability, mate. He he he. Absolutely, mate. mate six chances runs the show.
1: created. Six chances created in this game, top um, 27 passes into the final third, top six passes into the box. Second, there is there is like the levels that he has taken himself to are un- unbelievable, unbelievable. He is getting himself into the conversations with Bernardo Silva, Kevin De Bruyne, the best midfielders in the world. There isn't a midfield I think in the world that right now he doesn't start in 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 the yeah. center of the park in 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 one of those three spots in the midfield I cannot think of a single midfield in the world that I wouldn't want him in
0: Yeah in those zones absolutely and and he is probably our only player probably maybe Saka but probably our only player Well, actually maybe maybe one of the center backs and the goalkeeper and and um but he's probably our main shout for a team of the season spot. I mean, I I, I would oh, not God, be surprised surprises. to see him in the team of the season. Um, especially if we finish the season in fourth. We've got to have some surely someone's got to be in there, and it, it's got to be Erdegaard for me at the moment. Um, yeah, unbelievable. Uh also he's so good on the loose balls. I've I i do not think I've ever seen anyone able to hoover up loose balls as quickly as Erdegaard and, and as consistently as Erdegaard does. He is always mm. there on the loose balls. It's it's so nice to see. Uh, He was also asked after the game on the Harmony in the Arsenal team and he said, I have never experienced anything like it. And that's a big part of this. That is a big, big part of this. Absolutely.
1: Absolutely. They look together and statistically that pays off. On the eye test, that pays off. You know, we had 21 shots today, which is the seventh time in the last 10 games that we have gotten over 20 shots in a game. In the previous 70-something games under Mikel Arteta as manager, we'd only done it, I think, seven or eight times it was mentioned um, in the analysis at the end of the game. That just shows the cohesion and levels that that are in this squad right now, that they're able to find each other. They know where each other are. Time and time again, we're seeing backheels, dummies, fake shots that are actually perfectly placed passes because they know where each other are going to be they know like the cohesion is there it's it's second nature now
0: yeah mate i th- i think you're right to to pick that out um the kind of the automations which is for me underpinning everything in this in this game i watched everton against tottenham the 5-0 and there was a moment that was fascinating to me where calvert lewin picked up the ball sort of centrally and was forced wide and I was expecting a run from one of the players I was expecting an automatic dart into the box because that is what happens for Arsenal you always have someone at the back post or coming inside or making a diagonal run or something there's like an automation that in, in my eyes would make sense but Calvert lewin got the ball knew knew that no one would be there and had to double back and the and the chances The chance goes. And these small, small details, these tiny little automations that are nothing in the game. You you don't think about them in the game. Mm. These, you know, Erdegaard spoke last week, I think it was, about Arteta's obsession with detail. That thing, knowing that when you get the ball and you're slightly pushed outside, that there will be someone in the box because that is how you play. That is a huge thing, and it allows so much more unpredictability. It allows so much more because you know that, so then you can use that use that information in any way you choose. You can try to double back and then do you know do that thing where you sort of step over the ball and go the other way. So yeah, I I, I think I think it's a huge part of this team. Um, Gabby with some great work running. Uh, it was a great chance of about fifty minutes. Tried to cut it back to Lacazette. Um, there's some lovely ideas all around. It wasn't wasn't quite clicking. Um, Here's something. Oh. Do you think that clubs would benefit from a professional lip reader? Because there was a clip of Rogers speaking to James Justin. And I'm sure if you, as a club, basically gave the pro lip reader all of the close-up shots and said, you know, here's an hour, two hours of footage, see what's being said... I'm sure you could pick things up from the opposition of what people are. and maybe, maybe this happens and maybe I don't know. But I'm sure you could pick things up because Rogers was very plainly, he wasn't covering his mouth, was very plainly discussing how we were set up and how, what, what he wanted James, Just, James Justin to do. And surely it would be interesting to know what the opposition, opposition coaches notice about us. Do you know what I mean?
1: Yes, but I think it's, it only works in that match state. I don't understand what I don't think it gets you much of an advantage because James Justin is being brought on because Ricardo Pereira is being torn apart so no
0: that that's true but if they've said for example if, if over three matches you're you you have not noticed something but every single manager has for example said there's spaces in this area or we think this guy's losing concentration or, or whatever you might just pick up something and this is the marginal gains if you give someone two hours to do that Look at all the cams and just, you know, professional lip reader. Maybe I've found a niche for Maybe Arsenal. you have.
1: No more da- data analysts, just...
0: Yeah, <laughs> lip analysts. <laughs> um, uh, should be a goal. There's two off the line uh, from a free kick on the left. I th- think that was... I wrote that down. I think that was the one that led to the penalty. And it was a definite penalty. It is, yeah. Definite penalty. I mean... A couple of angles. I don't angles, understand
1: how it's not a red card.
0: I think because Thomas was on the line. I know. I think but, if it was the last man.
1: But here's the thing: if if, if I, I think I think I'm right in that if the ball is is shot or headed towards the open goal, and a player sticks out his hand to stop that, it's denial of a clear goal scored scoring opportunity or denial of a clear goal, and is therefore a red card. Because I understand that there's a man back on the line, but it's the touch that Soyinchu gives the ball that puts the ball on the path to Luke Thomas, to allow Thomas to clear the ball. Thomas being on the line makes no difference if Soyinchu doesn't touch the ball. The ball goes in. So it is denial of a goal. It I'd be really interested to yeah. hear if I am right because, or if I'm wrong because I can understand, oh, but he's not the last man. But the last man, if the ball isn't touched, is irrelevant because he's nowhere near the flight of the ball. The ball's going in the centre of the goal. It's high. It's the touchdown from Soyuncu that brings the ball into the path of Luke Thomas, therefore putting the last man in play.
0: Yeah, that, that is a question and to be answered, and I don't know another question I would ask would be to me it looks like su Chu's hand is moving towards it sort of to try and stop it do you know what i mean it didn't it didn't feel like a natural position it felt like he was trying to stop the ball with his hand and surely you know if it, if the ball hits your hand you know it happens you know handballs happen, but if you're trying to stop the flight of the ball, surely that should be a red as well i i I don't know I don't know um but yeah, um, it was a definite penalty, and I think from a couple of angles it could look a little bit you know it could sort of go either way, but there was a, this one sort of back angle where it clearly changed the flight of the ball um, and uh, and it was a great penalty, a great penalty by the way.
1: Yeah, and I don't understand why Kasper Michael can complain because he's off his own line. so if if Lacazette commits an infraction by slightly juttering his run, Kasper Michael commits an infraction. To by try get closer to the ball yeah. <laughs> for, by being off his line. So it fucking cancels each other out. Yes, yeah, so we can retake it, is, it, but it's your fault. Yeah. Schmeichel looks behind himself to see if the ball's gone in the net before he complains. It's only because the penalty's gone in that he's going to complain.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I. Uh,
1: that's actually, li- that's my biggest pet, Is my biggest pet peeve in football is when Footballers do something stupid. They commit like an obvious foul. They do something like Ashbush Michael did or stupid shit like that. And then they complain about it. I'm like, bruv, Stevie Wonder is not ref in this game. We can see it. It's obvious. Like, what what the fuck are you talking about? I watched the Chelsea game earlier and Kovacic literally hacks someone down. It is the clearest yellow card offense I've seen in a game of football. And then complains to the ref about how it's a foul, let alone. How is he? I just, I, do, I actually don't understand what goes through these players' heads. I'm like, just just get on with it. It's so obvious. You're, you're, you're complaining, you're wasting your own time.
0: You're wasting your time, wasting my time. <laughs> it vexes me so much. So, so much. Do you remember at school when teachers would be like, it's your own time you're wasting?
1: Oh, God, oh, that, yeah. Fucking.
0: It's actually not. It's your time. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm. I'm obliged to be here uh, the stadium was rocking at that point really good and, and at that point I just felt team performance there was a great clearance from Tierney there was a great moment from Gabrielle picking the ball out of the sky there were some lovely moments from Xhaka there was some great Saka moments Smith Rowe came back and you know did fine it was good, more good, just, you know, good to see him back um, uh, Smith Rowe should score one actually uh, he gets around the back of them mm. with a clever run and hits Schmeichel I think he should have scored that Uh, and the Olays came out and it was pretty comfortable
1: nothing else to say mate
0: Olays at the wheel Olays at the wheel oh that was so fun we'll see you after this after this news and Back to News and Views, where we give you all the news and all your views, but mostly ours. Just a quick reminder that if you do enjoy these podcasts, please subscribe, turn on notifications, leave us a review, and please support us on Patreon. We can access... £3 a month. And for one-time support, head to buymeacoffee.com, where you can...
1: Buy myself and Alexander a
0: coffee. Please do. Be lovely. Or a pint. Have you ever thought, oh, these lads, I'd like to go for a pint with them. They're so relatable. Then you can buy us a pint or a coffee. Anything you can give. Monthly or one-off helps the podcast. The links are in the show description. The only bit of news, Brad, that I thought was anything interesting this week, there's stuff going on with Chelsea. I sort of don't want to talk about it because it's a completely changing situation. Forever changing
1: situation. And it's
0: yeah, we'll have to when it all shakes out and we know a bit more, I think it might be interesting to discuss how it kind of affects things. But yeah. Um something this week that came out, Arteta talked about our links with Watford. He said, I think that relationship should be stronger and stronger. And for example, Eddie has done some work on that to build those relationships because we are close, as in the training grounds are literally next to each other. I think we can help each other in many ways as well. I think it's a possible thing. Uh, He said uh, they're next door and we can compete against each other. But at the same time, I think it's important to have good relationships. And that's the case, I think. Um, Yeah, I I think I think it's interesting exploring that. Because we have a good relationship with Boreham and Wood and there's lots of clubs who do you know, you have the City Group with players who get loaned out to certain teams and, you know, you have sort of good relationships with certain clubs. And I think Watford are a, are not a bad team to to build up a relationship with. They often have good young talent. Um, also exploring friendlies and stuff when we need fitness, you know, they're 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 a top team. So it's good to it's good to know that they those
1: links are kind of forming. Only issue I would have about it is that um with loans and everything, Watford, because of their their nature in sacking managers, have a forever changing style. And I just, I don't think if you're sending a young player somewhere, you want them to be under a consistent coach so that they can at least flourish in the role that they're being given. Mm. One of the big things with Watford this season is you don't know who the fuck Watford are because they've had three different managers all who play slightly different but pragmatic versions of the same ethos. So... I can understand the links to a degree in that having a a team of high quality Premier League slash top of the championship quality to play behind closed doors friendlies with and do training drills with and whatever, because we are right next door makes a lot of sense. But anything more than that, I start to wonder what we actually gain from it.
0: Yep, yeah, yep, yep. Um, Also, I do just want to point out that there was a a thing going around of Brendan Rodgers. You know, he does that thing when they scored where he puts his hands in the air and points to the sky. He's done that twice now. One with the James Madison free kick and one with the Barnes uh, uh, header. And I'm just a, such a big fan of that. Wow. He's a fantastic character. Wonderful technician. Um, we've got a lot of views, Brad. So let's let's go through them. At u to b says, Erdegaard, that's all the news and all the views.
1: See you later. Thanks for listening. Keep it. Thanks, not- guys. <laughs>
0: gonna get through this at ggtt underscore afc says there's been lots of talk about who should win premier league manager of the year guardiola klopp or Moyes. however if arteta gets arsenal into the champions league places surely there is no debate about who wins
1: it um i don't know if i agree that there's no debate um i don't think the thing is right with the resources that pep has the money that he spends and The money he has spent, I don't think he should ever be thrown in the ring for manager of the year. I think most managers with the financial capabilities that Pep Guardiola has had should be able to do what Pep Guardiola is doing. That's what we're in the job for. You know, Um, I think depending on how Liverpool's season shakes out when it comes to trophies won and blah, 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 there is obviously a shout for Klopp in there, but that will depend. But other than that, I think you have to look at Bruno Large. I think that he's done a great job at Wolves. Um, I think Arteta, if he does get Champions League football, definitely deserves to be in for a shout. Um, uh, David Moyes, again, I think there's been a few things that will probably take him out of the conversation, like the lack of reinforcements in January and the lack of a, uh, a backup striker brought in in the summer. Um, Eddie Howe. I think it would be mm. another interesting shout if he keeps Newcastle up, even though they've spent a lot of money after, I think it was 21 games of the season. Uh, I watched one of their, their 21st game of the season. I think this is while Howe was in charge and I think they lost and the stat came up that, and they were still rock bottom. I'm pretty sure, or it was a, it was a quite, it was early in his tenure. And it basically said that from this position, no team has ever been able to reach safety. Oh, it was, it was before, it was before they'd won a game or something before their first win. Can't remember when that was. Um, I think if he keeps them up, he's in with a shout, but actually one of the main shouts, I think as well, if Sean Dyche keeps Burnley up from the situation that Burnley were in again, he won't get it because of the style of play and because of where they are in the, in the table. And, you know, we tend to give the, it to whoever wins the trophy or the most trophies, whatever. But I think Deich, Arteta, Large all deserve a shout if they achieve kind of on the the axis of of what success is for their clubs, Arsenal Champions League, Wolves Europa League, and Burnley staying in the league, deserve a shout for it and deserve to be nominated for it. And then obviously I think if if Klopp masterminds another Premier League win after City were so far clear, I think he as well deserves his hat thrown in the ring.
0: Yeah, it's it's quite a difficult thing to define, isn't it? Because, I mean, I guess it comes from expectation. The final picture, well, the final picture yeah, but but obviously, but kind of, you know, where where you expected a team to finish, um, circumstances that happened during the season. You know, for example, Newcastle. Where do I expect Newcastle to finish now they've had all that investment come in? It's different now. So, for example, if Eddie Howard got 14th with Newcastle with no investment and that's where they stay for the rest of the season as they are now, yeah, manager of the season, so I mean, they should be going down um, because he's, you know, I would expect them in 19th or 20th. So they've got, you know, six, seven, eight positions above that. So it's difficult because you you don't know exactly how to sort of manage it and also the kind of it's di- more and more difficult to for example if arteta i'm expecting him in 6 i would say it's more difficult to go from 6th to 4th than it is from 18th to 16th do you know what i mean you know in terms of um, quality of manager so it's very hard to predict i mean I, I, I would say someone like bruno large considering where i expected wolves to be surely has got got to be in the conversation um Klopp, if he wins it, you know, that, that's a big achievement. So I really don't know. I, I, I agree with you. I wouldn't say it's a foregone conclusion or any kind of not not guaranteed. Uh, so certainly it's not guaranteed. But I think if we, if you could come up with some kind of formula, do you know what I mean? It's like uh, money invested, uh, squad, relative squad quality, you know, all those things all together. And then where a team should have finished according to the model, um, and where they actually finished and then the difference between that and then the person who wins that gets the manager of the the season. That's probably the fairest way to do it. Um, But also there's emotional parts of it. If you've had to really deal with a difficult situation off the field, injuries or whatever. um, Yeah, tough. I, I think I'll set this in the conversation though.
1: Agreed. Yeah. And I think that's what I meant by like, you do need that final picture because at the end of the day, if Liverpool don't win it, I don't think Klopp deserves it. If Arsenal do finish 5th or 6th, I don't think Arteta deserves it. If Wolves finish 10th, Large doesn't deserve it. I don't think mm. from, from where they were. And if Burnley get relegated, Deich doesn't deserve it. And if West Ham finish ninth, Moyes doesn't deserve it. It all depends on that final picture because it's all about that axis of success relative to your club. Obviously, success for Burnley is staying in the league, but success for Liverpool is winning the league. If they don't win it, they've not done anything special in regards to what their expectations were, like you say. So there's no point counting certain people in the conversation, but it's a conversation we can only have come the end of the season. Mm. Mm. One thing I will say, though, is that I do think it's high time we get a new contract on the table for Mikel Arteta. Yeah, big time, big time.
0: We've had a question in from at Eddie Longbridge, who says, where would this current Arsenal team finish in the Champions League? I think they get to the final and win it.
1: Quarterfinals? I think we can make the quarterfinals. Semis maybe. If we had a good draw, if it I think semis is is dependent on a good draw. I'm, jo- I'm joking. But I think quarterfinals. I think Oh no, we could reach a semi-final mate. No one thought Chelsea was going to win it in the situation that they were in last season, but what they had was a very favourable draw and a great coach come in. I think if we had a favourable draw we could get to a, a semi-final. I think if I think quarter final is probably where I would expect to get if we got the right reinforcements in.
0: Yeah, my my main concern is the squad size. That's my main concern. Yeah,
1: oh my god, that's going to be a big thing next season.
0: Cuz there's a lot of players to come in to rotate and you know perhaps there's some youngsters who can come in but yeah, anyway. Uh at Sam Trotman says, Is it an issue that there's no place for Emil Smithrow in the starting 11 at the moment? Obviously, rotation is good, but looking ahead, should we be looking to get him and Erdegaard in the midfield together? Um, I, th- I, I think in, in the team that we have at the moment, with the dual eights, Xhaka just provides that solidity that I think we do need to roll around into a two when, when we're out of possession. And I think Martinelli provides a little bit more energy that we require on that left-hand side. I think Smith Rowe's role at the moment suits him. For example, if Martinelli transitioned to a striker, we played him more at centre-forward, and we had a bit more of a a sacker on the left-hand side, I wouldn't mind putting Smith Rowe in that left eight pocket because I think we'd be a bit more solid it kind of depends what's going on I'm also not averse to sitting people down for a little while I think it's a good thing I think sometimes you know we you know there's there's exceptions but you know if you look at all the great managers there's periods where they sit players down and basically are like we're going to try a different way and you're not you're not involved and I think it creates a decent a decent culture if you do it right. Um, and I think Smith-Rowe is a good good guy. I think he knows his role at the moment and that will always change. You know, the the one thing we can guarantee in football, the one thing is change. You know, it's not, Smith-Rowe is not going to be on the bench for the rest of his Arsenal career. That thing we know, that that, that much we know. So I'm not worried about it. I, I do think it's interesting to find a place for him. Um, but yeah.
1: I do think we also have to consider this season, we're out of all the competitions now. And next season, I think Europa League football is pretty much guaranteed it's going to take some form of collapse for us to lose it at this rate. So we're going to go back to playing two games a week minimum. A lot of football is going to be played next season rather than this season. You know, we won't be having the same conversation because there will have to be so much more rotation next season. So I, I don't worry that there's not a place in in starting 11 right now because there is such a place in a lot of starting 11's next season for him so Mm. I don't think there's anything to worry about maybe transition him to that 8 but I do think I prefer him out on the left where he can be more dangerous because he's Mm. got such a good eye for goal and he's such a good finisher that I think he'd be wasted further back
0: Mm. but I think he can operate centrally I think uh, I do, I do see him. Oh yeah, it. he can. He understands those spaces. Um, yeah. Uh, final question we'll do. We do have some more. Thank you guys for your questions. Appreciate it. Uh, AFC 71 says, do you get nervous that other clubs might try and disrupt this process by trying to pinch our players, Erdegaard, party, Saka,
1: et cetera, all looking like class acts. Uh, yes and no. Uh, I think the main one I'm nervous about is Saka at the moment because two years left on his deal, come the summer we need to be getting an extension sorted out or or selling him but yes because I think it would be devastating to lose a player that is so connected to the club and has reconnected us to the club but I have every faith in the recruitment team to to get his replacement right so I think it is that weird duality of sometimes you do have to kill your darlings I, I don't think it's time for it yet and if we can get a contract offer on the table that's pleasing to him and we get into the Champions League, then that's perfect. And we keep him for another cycle. Um, but change is inevitable in football. You know, the the team that we were playing with three years ago is, is nearly all gone compared to the mm. team that we're playing with now. And the same will probably be said in five years time. You know, a lot mm. of the cogs will be gone. Party will have aged out. You know, a lot of them will still be there, but they might be aging Different. out or yeah. being replaced. So now that we seem to have gotten our recruitment a bit better, it doesn't make me as nervous. I just don't think that you're never going to get over the heartbreak of losing a player that you love. Mm. Because it when you feel so connected to them, and this is the first time I felt connected to a player or to any kind of players at Arsenal since, I mean... Van Persie. I loved Sanchez and, and I loved Ozil. Like, I thought they were great players, but I never felt the same connection to them as I did Van Persie, mm. Walcott, some of those players Cesc. from that era. Cesc Fabregas, mate. That, that mm. one gave me that sleepless hurt. nights as a yeah. teen. That hurt a lot. And I think that losing Saka will hurt the same. But uh, whereas... i saying will. If... I know. I, I think eventually, even if we get to the point where we're winning, no. To me, no footballer is worth a hundred million pounds. I don't think there's ever been a a, a transfer for a hundred million pounds that has gone as well as it should have. If you get offered that kind of money, I think you take it because of the opportunities that it gives you to reinvest and to rebuild and to and to replace. So if if that kind of money comes in, great. If it doesn't, hold off. But I th-
0: I think to me mate, I don't feel as nervous as you said because firstly first and foremost actually, as you say change is inevitable and I think our recruitment has been so good because everyone's so clear on the roles and what they need and what every mm. single role requires and what everyone requires of each other you could draw, and this is i made this point in an article recently At man united how can you possibly know what to recruit when you have no idea what the role is from week to week to week you you literally not a clue everyone know every man united fan knows they need a midfielder right they're, they're clear but what do you need someone to carry to press to progress to destroy to create to score what what do you need you know, you need a midfielder. And they say, I yeah, know, but I they say, know. oh, I
1: need a number six. What type of number six? What type of six? Because exactly. parties are number six, but he's completely different to Ndidi. And Rodri and, you know, so, um, yeah, so
0: I, I think firstly, that recruitment strategy, strategy has been clarified. That's the most important thing for me. And secondary, so second, so that means that whoever goes, I have no worries that we won't find at least someone to replace them. It might not work 10 times out of 10, mm-hmm. but eight times out of 10 is good enough. Um, and secondarily, I, I look at those players and a lot of them, I just think, where would you go? Do you know what I mean? Like right now, this season, maybe in a couple of seasons, you know, things change, of course. But right now, this summer, I look at Saka and I go, you're probably the only one who I could see maybe going to a city or to a, a, a properly, you know, a Real Madrid or something like that. I look at Erdegaard. He doesn't, he's been at the Madrid. He just got He doesn't he's need just that. He's just got here. He's just got here. He, the only real, real step up, and especially if we were to finish in the Champions League, why would you bother going to Chelsea or something like that? So what's the point? It's not a massive step up. You're you're absolutely loved at Arsenal, so why would you bother going? Maybe you go to City, but they've got players like him anyway. Uh, I look at, you know, Ramsdale. It's like, well, he's just got here. He's just got the number one shirt, but then no one's going to want Ramsdale right now they might want him in a couple of seasons and you know if you look at all the top clubs they've got their keepers for at least for the next couple of seasons so I keep I look around and I, I just think where are the pathways a couple of seasons ago I thought okay there's clear pathways for you know an Oxley chamberlain to go somewhere or uh, you know pick a player you know, so there's clear pathways for Sanchez to go do you know what I mean you know, there was clear things where they could move on to I don't see that for this team because um, they're still in the development phase which is so exciting
1: and they're also developing in the way that um, that, uh, that Arsenal are expected to. You know, the project's going well. The project is probably going as well as each of those players will have been sold it on their last contract extension. So I've, yeah, I don't think we'll lose anyone out of this crop for a while.
0: No, neither do I. Not that we don't want to. I just, yeah, the one, the one I'm worried about is Saka, but I do think he'll sign a deal if we get Champions League. Bradley, we have just got time. For a little bit of Arsenal trivia. Last week, I asked you what... The, the theme was left-footed Arsenal footballers. And I asked you what one major trophy did Robin Van Persie win for Arsenal. That's right, just one. What one major trophy did Robin Van Persie win for Arsenal? FA Cup. The FA Cup in 2005. Stupid little rat. Uh... The theme for this week was Woolwich Arsenal. And the question is have a think about this. What year did we reach the first division and have stayed there since as Woolwich Arsenal? What year, and we've stayed there since, did we reach the first division as Woolwich Arsenal? 1886, 1904, or 1914? 1886, 1904, or 1914? We will finish as we do now with a quote from the Little Book of Arsenal. Little, little, little book of Arsenal. Oh, this is perfect. 1970s US actor, singer and Arsenal fan, David Soule, Hutch in the cult cop show Starsky and Hutch, gets the Highbury bug. Going to matches at Highbury is like visiting church. It's the stuff of sustenance for the community's infrastructure. I love it on match days when the whole area becomes a sea of red. It's a special thing. I can't wait to get my hands on a season ticket. So, that was an absolute pleasure. I hope you enjoyed that. Thank you, Bradley. A delight. A delight. Thank you, Alex. Uh, Thanks as always. Keep a different knock. And we'll see you later. I'll see you later.
1: Bye bye. Peace.
0: Thank you so much for listening to the Different Knock Podcast. Please hit subscribe or follow on whatever platform you're using. If you'd like to support the show, you can find us on Patreon and BuyMeACoffee.com, find us on Twitter at DiffKnock, and visit our website, thedifferentknock.com. Thanks. Podcast Network.